let's talk about first of all what is wet plate i never really study photography i never really learned about the old techniques it's pretty much the most difficult photography technique there is you have one original it's one of one that's it is it good is it good is it not did she move did she blink is, is it sharp or not you know he must have failed a lot yeah oh my god you work with the raw chemicals which some of them are very dangerous you know my goodness. Now you can do prints differently. You don't need that negative anymore. What are you looking for when you're thinking about the photos? What I'm trying to do is like... Uh, do you worry about kind of where photography's going? Where it's going, yeah. Um... Stefan Kotas is a Prague-born photographer whose artistry spans continents and centuries. After a thriving career in fashion and commercial photography, he felt a shift with the digital era, prompting him to rediscover the enchantment of wet plate photography, a technique from the 1800s surpassed quickly by other modern formats. Immersed in a five-year quest to bring this forgotten process to Indonesia, Stefan overcame extreme and lengthy challenges in the tropical climate, crafting his own unique way of doing things, including bespoke chemical solutions, and darkroom setups. His silver portraits of Indonesian people developed in the field with antique wooden cameras have captivated the art world, reflecting his dedication to preserving the nation's diverse cultures on large format silver plates. And this podcast episode is a bit of a deeper dive into this whole wet plate process. It was certainly a learning experience for me and one of real intrigue, so much so I'm going to go and see him and his process at his studio. So stay tuned for that video. But for now, I bring you Stefan Kotas. Welcome to the Moon Podcast. Thank you. Thanks Pleasure to have you here. Um, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy man and you live not too close to here, but um, appreciate you, you taking the time. I wanted to kick things off with... I guess a way to kind of introduce yourself, um, you know, we're going to talk about your uniqueness as a person and, and photographer, which which truly fascinates me. But give me a background as to who you are in the photography space and how you kind of got into it. Yeah, so I've been doing digital photography for since I was like 18, 19, for like the last 20 years almost. I started as a travel documentary photographer or I just love I love traveling you know that's how I started okay so since high school I, I've been like traveling around Europe I'm from Czech Republic so I've been like hitchhiking around Europe and then I would be going to Morocco and then I was like 18 19 and I was thinking uh, I want to go go next on next like big adventure you know after after I finished high school and I was planning to go to Indonesia I was like it was my dream since since a little kid. I loved traveling and was always like reading uh, travel books and adventure travel kind of things. So my dream was Indonesia. So I started learning uh, Indonesian language in Prague. That time uh, there was uh, I just found like some little book and I there was one one old lady who was teaching Indonesian language in Prague. So I found her that time. I found her in the, in the phone book. She was very old. She the was like phone book. Remember yeah, phone book? It was the phone book. Yeah, it Looking was like great. It was two thousand three, two thousand four yeah. when I came here, and so with her, I, I got some private lessons. I started learning Indonesian, and uh, through her actually help, uh, I got into uh, 
scholarship program through Indonesian embassy and I got scholarship here. So I actually didn't come here to travel and I just came here for a scholarship program straight away for one year in Jogja. And uh, from there, I, I just fell in love with Indonesia. I started traveling constantly, just traveling around Indonesia, kind of like you do probably now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and started doing pictures and landscapes and mostly travel documentary pictures, landscape people. That's what I. That's how I started with photography. I never really studied. I just learned myself from internet, from you know, just practicing and and learning a bit of like Photoshop editing. At the time it was like it was two. 2004, got my first camera, DSLR, Nikon. And from there, I, I tried to explore more. Like I always try to learn new things, just like online or wherever. And uh, I started doing more fashion. I started doing fashion. I lived mm -hmm. in Jakarta for a while, doing fashion, commercial photography, art nude. I shoot a lot of art nude. And just anything, yeah. Just always learning new techniques and 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 things. And I didn't start wet plate until like six, seven years ago. That was only when I started doing wet plate and the weird, weird kind of techniques. Until then, I was just the document, like a digital, digital photographer and doing like commercial works. Yeah, I'm interested to know, um, kind of why Indonesia. What is it about this place that really sparks your interest and passion? Well, Indonesia, yeah, I feel like at home here, you know, after I lived here 20 years. so uh, In Bali, you lived here uh, 20 years? I, lived, uh, I studied in Jogja. That's where I got my scholarship. Yeah, I spent one year there. That's where I learned uh, Indonesian as well. So there was Java for, for one year. And it's, Java still have like special place in my heart because like the first place where I kind of get to know Indonesia. And the, the Javanese culture and uh, Jogja is like the center of Indonesian education. Yeah, so so uh, I spent one year there, and then I moved to Bali. I, I spent two years living in Bali. I was doing travel. I just looked for any job I could do here, you know, to live mm -hmm. here. So I was doing travel guiding mostly. Uh, I worked for a travel agency and doing like travel guiding and taking people around Bali and then around Indonesia as well. And and then I moved to Jakarta. I live in Jakarta oh, okay. around six years. I was working there. I was doing modeling there as well. Okay. I was working on TV, like in front of camera as well. Wow. I used to do. I used to do presenting. I I had a travel show actually. I had a, did you? I had a travel show. On, I didn't know uh, that on Trans TV. Yeah. Oh, cool. I did like a, it's like a travel show. For like Indonesian, yeah, it's like Indonesian market, yeah. We had like a Saturday morning slot. So I'll be traveling. That's why I stayed there in Jakarta so long, actually, because I, I like the job. So we would be shooting one, two episodes per month. I would be going around Indonesia and, and do a travel show. That was fun. And then I was, uh, I was doing photography as well, but not like full time. So I'll be shooting like fashion mostly and always would be like working on my my art on the side, just uh, mostly art nudes and uh, landscapes and like and travel photography. Just be traveling all the time wherever I could, you know, around Indonesia. And after only that, I, I moved back to Bali like 10, 12 years ago. And since then I live here now. Yeah. Cool. What is it 
I, I think you. But I didn't answer the question. Yeah, why yeah, Indonesia? Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, I know the. I think I know the answer. I've, I've done enough research on you. I'm, we. I think that's where and we we're talking off air. We have a little bit in common in that respect. You know, the the, the cultures here, the subcultures, the history, the diversity. Certainly with the people. You know, especially when you think of portrait photography, right? The, the fascination with the different types of people. Um. I mean, I'm putting answers in your mouth, but that, for me, that's it. Is it similar? Is it similar yeah, to you? Is that yeah, where the interest? It's mostly the diversity, right? Yeah. For like anybody who likes different cultures and traveling, like Indonesia is the holy grail because you get so many here, like you know, hundreds of languages and ethnic groups and cultures and all the all the religions. So many different landscapes, right? So. Especially in Southeast Asia, I think whatever any other country has, Indonesia has it better, you know? Yeah. Like, for me, there's no point go to Thailand and, you know, you can find temples better here or you can, you know, uh, volcanoes, jungle, go to Papua, you find, uh, you know, primitive tribes, yeah. you know, that's everything. <laughs> so, it does, yeah. And you you can spend your whole life exploring it. It's, I mean, I spent 20 years and it's not. It's not enough yet. <laughs> yeah. So I much. love that about this place. So um, much, throw yeah. in the underwater world as well. That's some of the best diving in the world. Yeah, the yeah. nature here is incredible. What is your favorite part of Indonesia? Oh, wow. That's um, a good question. Um, I would, I mean, I love Bali, obviously. I think close to here, Lombok is something that's, that is, is still very untouched. And it still has so much potential. I mean, it's it's stunning. The people there are are different, but extremely kind and very welcoming. Past that, um, I've I've done a f been lucky enough to do a few trips to Raja to Komodo, mm. and um, they take my breath away. They, the, those those places really, I love scuba diving. So I'm I'm if I'm traveling, I'm trying to combine both above water photography and underwater photography. Oh, so I'll I you know hopefully everywhere I go is both scenically beautiful but also rich in the the tapestry of the human nature and wildlife and everything indonesia is the best place for all of that right yeah, yeah i'd say it's the best <laughs> oh, it's just it's just it's just incredible it really is takes my breath away but i could go back there every week if i could um tell me about the journey from you know we're going to get onto wet plate in a minute because i think a lot of people don't know what wet plate processing wet plate photography however you want to label it is but tell me about kind of the journey to get up to that. You know, how, how did you go from fashion photography, landscape travel photography into finding this old, unique, you know, wonderful process of photography? What, what was the journey? Yeah, so um, I never really studied photography. I never really learned about the old techniques. Actually, when I was um, in high school, I did maybe a little bit of analog and like, I saw my, my father was developing a few times, like his uh, analog films, but I never really learned about that much. So I found it on the internet. I think my friend just sent me some video of a, of a guy doing wet play. Like it was like a YouTube video where he built his own camera in one day. He built a camera, he bought the chemicals and like uh, in over weekend, he would make like a wet plate shoot and, and wet play image. And, and when I saw it, I was like, wow, oh my God, this is amazing. It was like, the picture was like so beautiful and the whole process, like when you're making it and you're making it with your own hands, you know, you know it's it's very hands-on technique and the look of it is just so different. And then you you see the image coming to life in front of you, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's in your hands, it's a physical image, it's not like computer screen and 
electronic little file, you know. So, so that was the first time actually. And I was like, he was like, hey, you should do it. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not like, uh, this was like portrait technique. I wasn't really so much into portraits, you know. Okay. Because I, it feels like kind of boring to me. Mm-hmm. Like on digital, um, I uh, I was show, shooting people, but not like specializing in portraits. So uh, I was like, nah, not really. But then I kind of just just keep thinking about it and uh, and learning about it a bit. And what I find out that uh, when you shoot wet plate, you, it, it's very technically difficult. It's, it's pretty much the most difficult photography technique there is. And it's very unique. And one of the uniqueness there is, is uh, you're getting uh, tintype. You can shoot tintype. Uh, you can shoot a direct positive image. Okay. So Stop. Let's talk about, first of all, what is wet plate? And second of all, what is tintype? Let's yeah. define those the, just for, for the audience a little before we continue. So, going to- yeah, wet plate is, uh, wet plate, it's called uh, wet plate collodion photography, wet plate collodion, collodion process. Yep. So it's basically one of the oldest uh, photography techniques. So to understand uh, what it is, to understand uh, how is it so unique, we need to like understand history of photography. So okay. do you know like when, how, how old is the history of photography? When is the first photography? 1820, 1822? Yeah, like, like, like 18, 1820s 18. was like the first, uh, what we call a photograph. Yeah, basically made. There was like some. Uh, what is photography? What photography is uh, recording uh, light on some light sensitive material. So, since uh, thousands of years ago, people knew the concept of uh, of camera, yeah, camera obscura, uh, of pinhole camera. That's the effect when uh, when the light comes through the tiny hole and it and it uh, projects the image. From the outside world on the on the wall, or there was like there was there would be like a one big room like this, for example, yeah. And we would just make a small hole in the wall, and you would project the the world outside. You would project on this wall here, and smaller version of that would be the 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 camera, right? Mm-hmm. Be like this room, just in smaller, and you put the you put the lens, and you project the light comes through the lens, and you project the image on the back wall. So people knew about that. Yeah, they used it for drawing, you know, uh, to make more realistic paintings and stuff like that, or just to to look uh, to look around. There would be like towers in the cities and uh, people would just be looking <laughs> inside what is outside, you know? So there was a known phenomenon of, uh, of uh, camera obscura. But the question is uh, how to record the light, how to record the image that was created through the lens. And for that, you need light-sensitive materials. So, so during 17th, 18th century, people start knowing there's like some some chemicals that react on light, mm-hmm. and they they manage to to record some images, uh, to put the light-sensitive material on that plane, and when the light hit it, they would just record that image. But the problem is they uh, they didn't know how to keep it because you would take that image out on the light, it would still be sensitive to light and it would just disappear. It would yep. never expose. And it would disappear. So they were fighting with that for a few centuries, probably. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they needed they needed to figure out how to develop the image and how to fix it. Fixing is when you actually stop the chemicals from react on light. So you, okay. So these images, these early images, you could uh, they could record them. They would have them, but you need to keep them in the dark. 
and you could just show them to people like in a very dark room just to just to look at it quickly not to not to overexpose with light and eventually they would disappear okay but then uh then came like the early uh, 1820 uh it was the french guy who had this first picture and he shoot outside of the 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 house uh, it was some kind of asphaltum he used some kind of asphaltum that react on light and uh that's kind of the first image that we know and then the next next uh, technique was daguerreotype there was the image uh, made of uh, mercury vapor and some silver based chemicals like all these uh, light sensitive materials like silver based and it was still very complicated uh, the exposure it's very slow you know these techniques are the iso is very slow so you have a uh, exposure times in matter of hours or days you know so with the agrotab it was mostly like minutes uh, you needed few minutes of of uh, exposure to create the light and the next step was the uh, wet plate and with the wet plate is basically kind of the first technique where we talk about like photography that's when it become um, easier much cheaper cheaper materials and also they fasten the the exposure times to a matter of seconds, a few seconds or up to a minute. Yeah, it depends how much light you have. And so it was 1853. Yeah, that's when a wet plate comes to life. And the the complexity of it is that you you need a, it's called wet plate. Uh, it means that the chemicals are still wet. So you're working with the light sensitive chemicals. Okay. Which you you take uh, just on a normal plate, like size of your notepad there. You uh, you take aluminum plate or glass, which is like the vessel for the chemicals, and you you pour liquid chemicals on it. You would pour the chemicals on it. Uh, it's a mix of collodium, collodium with with uh, with uh, salts. Also, oh, collodium is a type of chemical. Collodion is just the vessel to bend it together. It's like uh, okay. a glue. Let's okay. Say. Okay. You, you premix the collodium with the uh, with uh, cadmium bromide and there's different chemicals, okay. ammonium iodide, and there's few receipts that you can do. And then you you dip it in a silver nitrate. So it's a mix, mix of these two chemicals, basically, that make the light-sensitive uh, film. So when these two chemicals mix, they start reacting on light. So when you prepare this plate in the dark room, you need to work in the dark room. Uh, when you take it out from the silver, it's already reacting on light. So you have to work in the dark room, switch on the uh, the safety light only, and you put it in a plate holder and you will bring you will bring that plate to the camera, you put it in the camera, make the exposure, and bring it back to the dark room. Okay, so the pl- the plate, just for people watching, is 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 the tintype, right? The plate the is plate, the uh, thing that the photograph gets exposed onto. Uh, we call the the result is tintype is uh, when you shoot on black aluminum plates. That's what you call tintypes. If you shoot it okay. on uh, glass, you can shoot on glass. Uh, really? It would called ambrotype. Okay. Depends on the vessel of the plate. Okay. Uh, so you shoot on tintype. I shoot mostly tintypes okay. on uh, black aluminum. And you have some here, right? Uh, I don't have the tintypes here. Okay. You have the. But I have some prints here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. But uh, okay. So you get the plate out of the camera, yeah, into uh, a dark room. You expose it in the uh, in the camera, and you need to run straight uh, to the <laughs> dark room because the the chemicals needs to stay wet. That's why we call it wet plate collodion. Got it. Because okay. you work with uh, wet chemicals, liquid chemicals. Okay. And you only have a limited amount of time before they dry uh, to finish the whole reaction process to create the image. 
So that's why it's very hard to do in tropics because the humidity and temperatures is the uh, it's much higher here than Europe, and uh, it's drying so quickly. So you from the sensitizing, I have like three minutes to do the whole process. My model has to be ready. I have to quickly expose it. I have to run to the dark room and quickly develop it before it dries, uh, unless there's no image, you know. Wow. So you develop it. Uh, that's when the image kind of comes alive. You see it. Uh, you it coming. It start appearing in front of yeah. your eyes. You have to stop it at the right moment, not to over overdevelop it. Also, what happens if you overdevelop it? It would kind of disappear. It would just be very uh, kind of foggy and uh, okay. low contrast. Okay. Uh, so you need to know when to stop it. And you already know in the development process if if you're getting good image or not with the speed of the reaction. Uh. So it's, it usually takes about 10 to 15 seconds. Uh, you see it appearing. If it's very slow, it doesn't 15 seconds, 20 seconds, there's no image. Or very low, you see, ah, oh, it's underexposed. Okay. If it's too fast, it's overexposed. So you can adjust the exposure a little bit with the development. If it's overexposed in the camera, you can like do faster development and you still get like a uh, good, uh, good exposure there. But anyway, after the development, you stop it with water, wash off the chemicals and you put it in a fixer. And in a fixer, you get the, the positive image. And, and that's, the, that's the reason why I do it. Uh, why it caught my eye, especially is the direct positive because with this technique, you can do direct positive image. Normally, in most of photography techniques, right, they uh, you're doing negatives. Yep. You shoot negatives, and from that you make prints, which was the, what we were people doing from before as well, because they always wanted to do prints. They didn't want to do one piece. Yeah, they wanted to to be able to distribute a number of images, you know, in the prints and yeah. in the newspapers and everywhere. Uh -huh. So that time they were not doing many direct positives, but now you can do prints differently. You don't need that negative anymore. So for me, there was like, wow, uh, the direct positive is one piece of art. It's, it's the uniqueness. Uh, it's, it's, it brings the art uh, closer to, to painting or it's an artifact that you can uh, have the bigger value on the art market. Because before that, I was already like doing art photography and I, I tried to do, uh, to sell my art uh, in, uh, in galleries. Mm -hmm. But photography has like, different status in the art market because it's duplicable, yeah? Because when you, photography is not like uh, one piece of statue, it's not one piece of painting, but you can bring one image, you know, 100 times, million times. So the buyer doesn't put a big value on that, right? So you can do limited prints, whatever, but it's still duplicable art. But with this thing, with this technique, when you do direct positive, it means that one, uh, tin type, the one, the one positive image that comes straight from my camera, the silver plate, is only one. There's, n there's no other one like that, you know. And that was like, uh, kind of piece of a puzzle that you can, uh, you can uh, put a higher value on your art, you know, which is not possible with digital photography, with digital prints and stuff like that. So it was one of the reasons uh, why I actually uh, looked into this and. The other reason is just the uniqueness of the images, the uniqueness of the look of how wet plate uh, image look, because it has a distinctive distinctive look which you cannot fake with any other technique, with any editing, you know, like like analog film, whatever other film, you can kind of fake it with uh, digital editing, yeah. You can give the f digital image the feel of analog, yeah. you know, with the right editing, whatever. Yeah. 
but the wet plate you cannot you cannot fake it anywhere you know firstly it's the physical image that you get and secondly uh, this is what we call a blue light sensitive material blue light sensitive film so that's what gives a lot of it the unique uh, unique look of it comes from that because the chemicals that we use in wet plate they only react on blue light on the on the spectrum you know there's a light spectrum right from uh, the visible light spectrum is from red to yellow to green to blue right so these chemicals only react on the part of the blue spectrum a little bit over that to the uv spectrum wow, so okay. basically it's actually reacting on invisible light that we cannot see with our eyes right that's why the look of the pictures is so unique and so like weird to us when we look at it than normal black and white picture so it means uh, everything that is on the other part of the spectrum, like the yellows and the reds, they are black. They, the the chemicals don't see them. So that's what's changing a lot the look of the people. Because, for, for example, in your skin, uh, there's a lot of red color, yeah. a lot of orange, yep. you know, especially with the darker skin people, a lot of melanin people or tanned skin. Uh, so the more dark dark skin you have, the stronger will be this effect. That's why I like to to shoot more like the dark skinned people or uh, in the Asian people looks actually the effect is even stronger. The 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 unique look of bed plane, you know, I love that. And that's also something you need to think about when you when you shoot, that the whatever is red, whatever is yellow will be black, basically. Yeah. Okay. The camera cannot see it. That's why we use a red light in the dark room, because the it doesn't react on these chemicals. So that's another unique thing that I really like. That actually the result you cannot fake it with any kind of editing or something like that and then it's like so unique another unique thing about it is the the way the chemicals flow you know you're working with the liquid chemicals it's very uh, uh it's different every time you know there's like it's a whole process of many steps of chemical reactions and they are all altering the the look of the final result working with your hands you're smelling the chemicals before every shoot you you mix your own solutions basically so it's never the same it's never the same the the chemicals age so if i mix them today i shoot tomorrow will be one thing if i if i use the one month old chemicals will be a bit different and uh, so there's all these effects that uh that make every piece like unique and and different and it's never perfect there's always some like some dust you know some you try to be very clean with this technique because you every every little dust, your hair, whatever, whatever floats in the air, you can see it on the plate later on, and you also the chemicals flowing. You know, you have these edges. You can if you pull the developer wrong, you 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 will have like the stains of the developer and and so many different things. My so goodness, it's a, all these like chemical marks which make it. It's technically it's imperfection, but uh, now and with the digital photography, we're so used to like perfect sharp. Uh, crisp, uh, contrasty images with the uh, vivid colors. So this is like uh, so beautiful, you know, when you actually see the imperfection, you know, of the of these techniques. Absolutely, that the the perfection of imperfection is now something that's that's sought after, and and artistically, it's it's of value, right? It's something that isn't being done by millions of people with the the the, the help of digital cameras that spray and pray. They don't really think about the shots. I mean, I imagine. With your photos, you know, before you even press that shutter button, you are, you are super prepared with obviously your dark room and chemicals ready to go, but with the subject as well. I mean, 
how does your preparation um, get affected? Or oh, no, I, I rephrase it. What is your preparation like with the subject if you you've got them ready to go in front of the camera? Or how do you get them ready? Is it just what you know? You've got one shot essentially. You can't take, or do, can you take a couple and then go and develop them quickly? Or no, no, just, you do one, one shot one... per time. Yeah, so wow. it's it's a lot of preparation. Like yeah. I don't actually shoot too often. It's very, firstly, it's very expensive. You know, every plate costs you a lot, especially here in Indonesia where I'm importing most of the chemicals and it's, uh, it's, it's just, just to get the chemicals, it's very hard, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard in Europe, US, you can, uh, you can buy them in a shop. I mean, it's not too many shops anymore who sell it, but you can still get them here. It's nothing like that. So, uh, I cannot buy the, the solutions. What I do is, uh, I get the raw chemicals. So actually. What I had to learn here to do it here, and I had to learn uh, to mix the solutions also. That's which is the whole next like profession, you know, like like chemistry. Working. Did you know anything about chemistry before this? No, I hated chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it in high school. <laughs> my mom was like, "Wow, what, what are you doing now?" Because I'm, like I was always like uh, the worst in 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 chemistry, and I I'm surprised I kind of I I don't enjoy it, but I I kind of learn what I need and, um, and it's become interesting. Right. But, uh, it's very hands-on, you know, you just, you, but there was another actually thing that I had to learn to do it, you know, like, I mean, to successfully do wet plate in Indonesia took me, uh, six, seven years to where I am now, very slow progress. And, uh, it's never, it's a life, lifelong project. Like, uh, it's so many things. Every shoot, I see some problems and you try to solve them. And it, it's like never ending uh, problem solution, you know, uh, solving. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so before every shoot, you need to make your own solutions first. Okay. So you work with the raw chemicals, which some of them are very dangerous, you know, uh, flammable, explosive, uh, very uh, poisonous, um, cancerous, you know, that's, you have to be very careful with that. Uh, it's another thing and <laughs> <laughs> just a small thing uh, and uh, so you need to get your chemicals ready another thing is the the shoot itself when you when you shoot models or when i shoot my portraits you need to i teach the models about about the process how how we do it i have yep. kind of like a routine now but it's very different uh, from a digital shoot it's very slow process i always tell the models to be patient just to be patient, just kind of uh, expect you'll be doing a lot of waiting, you know, a lot of sitting in one pose. Uh, because uh, first thing is the the styling. Yeah, you pick the styling. I kind of do that ahead. You know, I know what I want to do. What what kind of costume? If I do a lot of traditional costumes, right? So so we prepare the costume. I usually have a stylist. Uh, we do the look. Yeah, but then uh, we pick the pose. Yeah, with these old techniques, when you look at old pictures. It's always very simple, actually, very mm. stiff poses, yeah, mm -hmm. because it's long, long exposure. Mm -hmm. So you cannot do like, uh, you don't have much choice with the pose. They have to be very steady pose, which the model can hold for at least a few seconds, you know. That's why you do neutral uh, expressions usually. You don't do smiles much because uh, it looks unnatural when people hold a smile for five seconds, you know. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. so you do very, and it's moving and you yeah. do, yeah. Uh, you do usually very neutral, uh, neutral expressions, and and the other thing, the hardest thing is to get a sharp image with this technique because the 
to do five, my exposures are around three, five, seven seconds, depends on how much sun I have. Because the ISO of the chemical is like one, 1.5 1. 1. or something like that. So it's like, let's say 50 times less uh, sensitive than ISO 100. Yeah. It's very slow. So in here, uh, when it's, when it's sunshine, uh, when it's full direct sun, uh, I get around two, three seconds. Okay. If it gets cloudy, it's like five, six seconds. I just look at the sky and all. Like you cannot uh, measure the light much. You don't measure the light. There's no light meter. no light meter. You don't have a separate light meter or anything? Yeah, because it's react on the UV light only. So it's oh, not yeah. really a light meter for that. So I just kind of know by uh, by practice now. You just look at the sky and you kind of guess the exposure. And then you said in the development process, you can kind of yeah, you guess can immediately of, like, oh, I need to develop this a bit faster or yeah. a bit slower. Sometimes you would, uh, I don't do it anymore, like test, test play to to check the light because I kind of know. But but uh, yeah, you cannot, you cannot measure the exposure. Mind. It's, it's okay. by experience, basically. Which takes some time. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say you must have failed a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, hundreds of plates at home, which are. Wow. But it's not only about the exposure. It's the easier thing. It's mostly about the chemical combinations and receives, and because you got like five, six uh, reactions, chemical reactions, which uh, needs to successfully create the image. And if there's one problem, you don't know where it is, or it's it's sometimes hard to find where is the problem, which reaction is the problematic one so you just do constant like uh uh trials you know where you like change one thing and then change this and then, and then you're looking for the mistake and but then every chemical batch that you make is different so it, it, it's never ending it's so hard man hi everyone before i let you continue with the podcast just indulge me for a few minutes I want to briefly talk to you about my new brand, Yore. Founded with my business partner and photographic artist, Finn Matson, we are proud to bring you a new artisanal jewelry and specialty coffee brand. Yep, what on earth do they have to do with anything? Well, they're both our passions and they've always been another artistic outlet for me now for over a decade. For those that know me, coffee and jewelry have been my other obsession since I was young and I am a qualified SEA coffee specialist. So when I met Finn, some of you might have listened to my podcast with him when we barely knew each other, our love for art and jewelry had a home and that home is Yore. Yore is about the art of intent for everything that we do. Our intention with the label was to add a touch of celestial elegance and artistic expression to our visual narratives. Every piece is a statement a reflection of your unique story and purpose. It's not just jewelry, it's a wearable piece of art that speaks volumes. Picture this, silver or gold adorned with an actual piece of lunar meteorite, making every piece as unique as the moments we usually capture through our lenses. From limited edition lunar jewelry pieces to finely crafted 925 sterling silver and gold rings, pendants and chains, there's something for all of you in each of our unique designs. We're also committed to the environment as much as possible. Our coffee in our barley showroom is direct trade, organically produced and locally farmed, minimizing impact on the environment as much as possible. Our packaging is all sustainable and our jewelry recycled, other than the moon rock, of course. Proudly eco-friendly in both packaging and jewelry production, you can feel good about looking good. 
And to top it off, we offer worldwide shipping, ensuring that a piece of lunar beauty can grace your collection no matter where life takes you. And if you ever find yourself in Bali, please come and visit our House of Yore. Our cafe and community-driven art house is a haven for creatives just like you. And before we head back into the podcast, please just take a moment to explore Yore's collection. As a special treat for you, my wonderful audience, Yore is offering an exclusive discount. So head over to our website and use the code in the description for a 10% discount off your jewelry purchase. The link and details are all in the description. So thanks so much for listening and I'll let you get back to the podcast now. Tell us a bit more about the camera then. So when you're, you've got the subject ready to go, you've briefed them, what, what, you know, it's a large format camera, right? What, what is the, the, yeah, let's get to the shoot. Like when I get the model, I style up. Yeah. Then, uh, then I will sit her, I will pose her. So we decide what pose we're going to do, what angle I find her angle, let's say frontal or side pose, like 45 or something. What are you looking for when you're thinking about the pose? Um, Depends like uh, how uh, how she looks well, or what's her angle, what we want to show, if we have like earrings or what yep. kind of styling, if we want to show the hair from the side or frontal, a few different things. What is the lighting, if it's better for like uh, like side light portrait or top light portrait. Or what so is- your, your intent with the pose is, okay, get the, get the person and get, get some kind of, you know, visual story with that person, but it's more about the traditional clothing or what is the purpose that you're trying to get with what i'm trying to do is like a cultural portrait like traditional portraits of indonesian ethnic groups that's basically what i what i focusing on so so i'm showing the costume i'm showing the costume the look of i want it to be like when i let's say i shoot balinese girl in could be wedding costume or dance costume it should show in one image to have like, okay, this is Bali, you know. I try to, I look for models also in that way, like to have the Balinese look, you know, different from Javanese, you know. They, for us, if you live here longer, I, you, you can tell the difference of Balinese, Javanese, Sumatra, mm-hmm. of course, Papua mm-hmm. and other other ethnic groups, right? So it try to be, uh, try to look for the typical face of that ethnic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay, when I shoot, like you, 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 you get the pose, and then what is very hard is the camera. The camera is big, yeah. It's a large format. Uh, it's big. It's heavy. It's sitting on a tripod. It's very hard to to frame it, to get the level, to get the height of the camera, to get the angle to the model, because you're looking you're looking at it on the ground glass. That's like the ground glass at the back of the big camera is the, is the glass where the image is reflected. Mm-hmm. And that's where you like go under the blanket and looking at that, uh, you, you cover yourself with uh, like dark clouds to, to see the reflection of the image uh, on the back of the camera. And it, it takes like few minutes or can be five, 10, 15 minutes to, to set the camera on the tripod in the exactly like angle when the model needs to to hold the pose, you know, so she needs to be patient. She's just sitting there uh, in her pose, and I'm I'm like angling the camera, and uh, and that's that's the one shot, yeah. And when I get the angle, I also putting like a brace holder. You put a brace holder on mm. her neck. I saw that, yeah. Because uh, that's for the 
reference of her position. She cannot move from that place because you're focusing. It's very narrow the top field, yeah? I'm using the anti-glances, like old lenses, which are, which adding to the beautiful, unique look of the wet plate, uh, because it's, uh, these old lenses, they are imperfect. You would say imperfect. They are very narrow the top field, and they are usually only sharp. They are very sharp, but only in the middle. Yeah. And uh, towards the edges of the image, uh, it's blurring. Okay. It's, and it, they making the old Petzval lenses. They make like a circular blur, which is Given, which yeah, is really yeah, yeah beautiful and really really special. And that's why it's also very much portrait technique because in portraits you you can work with that. Yeah, just have a like a part of the image sharp and a lot of blur around. And that's also when you look at the old pictures or portraits you will see they framing it differently they framing the the person in the middle you don't you don't frame it in two thirds like uh, you would do in digital mostly like framing the image in two thirds the face but you you framing it more in the middle of the frame because that's where it's the sharpest sharpest okay uh, so yeah you would frame the camera and and then i, exp- I usually tell her, I explain to her how how what is going to happen next you know I did it this morning. I just had a shoot. Yeah. So it's every time the issue should be new models, you always have to explain to them. Yep. So basically after I frame it, then I need to go to dark room. Then I need to go to dark room to sensitize the plate. That's when I'm doing the puring and, and dipping in the silver. That's when you're creating the, the light sensitive film. And it takes me like five minutes uh, in the dark room to prepare the, the liquid film. And because it's wet plate, I only have like, I told you, three, four, five minutes before it dries. So when I come off the dark room, everything needs to be very quick, you know? It's like, you know, like one step after another. So I prepare her first, you know? When I come out, you you need to be sitting here with a brace holder, you know? Uh, get your position very quick. I quickly refocus the, the camera. And then I put the plate on the back of the camera. I close the lens. Because how we do exposure here, there's no shutter, you know, mm-hmm. there's no shutter mm-hmm. with the old cameras uh, because you don't, you don't, there's no long, uh, I mean, fast shutter speeds. It's very long shutter speed, right? So you only do the exposure with the taking of the landscape. Okay. That's how you let the light in. Okay. Because there's enough time. So I take off the landscape. That's where the exposure starting. The light start coming into the camera and you just can't. I just look at the sky. Uh, I see three, four, five seconds, how much I need. Amazing. I tell her, okay, freeze, don't move, open the lens, and uh, one, I just count. And she needs to be frozen. She cannot blink, she cannot breathe. Like I tell her just to totally freeze if possible. And uh, then uh, when I cover <laughs> the lens back, uh, we're done and we need to rush to the dark room to quickly develop wow. because uh, it's the plate is drying, the, the clock is ticking, so I need to develop it. And then when you develop it, you see the, it looks like a negative image basically first. And then you put it in the, in the fixer where you wash off the unexposed silver. And then you see the, the clear uh, positive image. Yeah. So if that doesn't come out as expected, you just do it again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's why you do a lot of preparation. You just do a lot of briefing. Yeah. You make sure you, you like what you see. You make sure the styling is good. You make sure. The angle is good uh, because every image cost me, uh, I counted it, I think like uh, $20, $30 for one plate, uh, just for the materials, you know. 
and the whole process is like 20, 20 minutes usually. And are these, these, so this if she most... moved, if she bling, yeah, she owes you another exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Are, they, uh, are these um, clients paying you for these generally, the, these photos, or is it more um, of a personal passion thing? It's more personal. I like to shoot yeah. personal images. Yeah. I don't, I don't do many private, like, commercial portraits. I don't focus on that. Uh, but sometimes uh, people, people want it, and I do it for them. I, I shoot it, but uh, firstly, it's, uh, it's difficult because... Uh, people see my images and they love them and they think, oh, I want to do this, it's so cool. But they don't know how they're going to look. It's changing the look of people very much, you know. So it's not guaranteed, especially for girls, that they will like how they look on it themselves, you know. Because it's changed their skin. And especially with girls, it's bringing your imperfection more. Not making you more beautiful. It makes you more ugly, you know. Your wrinkles come out more. Uh, every spot's on your skin. Uh, freckles uh, makes you look older in general like the, the the whole look of that image is like uh, old school yeah and uh, it, it 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 in general makes you look a bit older than you are with guys it's actually better like uh, guy portraits the, with this technique you look kind of more cool and rigged <laughs> and like uh, you know like uh, more it brings some character out okay so, but it's kind of tricky with the people, you know, and then uh, I don't want them to be unhappy with the picture yeah. and then they have to pay me and then they don't pay me. I, I lose a lot of money and time, you know, yeah. so I don't focus on that. I focus more on my art, uh, but I do pride portraits once in a while also. Can we see a couple of your images? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love the look of them and, you know, what what sparks my interest about this is just the authenticity of it, you know, it, yeah. and when you said it's like... Um, more like a painting. I mean, just you explaining that process from start to finish is you. It's just like a painting, right? It's you put a lot of a lot of uh, focus on one frame. Yeah, you know? and it's, it's so manual. One, yeah. Everything is so manual. Right? Yeah, you are creating uh, from start to finish. I have like this few postcards, which is uh, one of some of my like favorite portraits from recent times. Oh. And. Uh, yeah, behind every good one is like 10, 20 bad of ones, course. you know. <laughs> well, I'm, that's even with me in digital photography. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I love just the, the tones. They're just so nice. Yeah. What Ooh, is this, this border, this kind of these, these are the imperfections you're talking about. Develop, yeah. Develop. That's like the flow of the chemicals. You can see this is when you're pouring the plate, that's how the chemicals flow around. And then they don't always reach the edge of the plate. So that's what creates these borders. But that adds so much character to the, to the image. Yeah. I kind of actually, you can do it perfectly. But I don't worry about it much. I kind of want to keep it around there because from there you can see it's a wet plate as well. That's and fucking then it's insane. like different man. marks. Like so you can cool. see sometimes the developer flowing if you make a mistake. Yeah, you, you can see, see a lot skin of dust and scratches, well. you know? Yeah. But I love it. It's but, just, um, it's very nostalgic. Yeah. You know? it's because the, the look of it is, is just so unique and beautiful. But... Yeah, you would need to, it's so different. That's why I like to do like BTS, like videos uh, to people to see what our eyes see, you know, the reality. And then what the wet plate camera see, because it's so different, so different. you know. Wait, why? This is color. <laughs> this is color, this is different technique, yeah. And I see what you mean here by the kind of the, this blurry vignetting on, on the lens. Her face is sharp, but everything else is, I mean, maybe she was moving a bit, but. That yeah. might be the lens. This is was actually you're... pretty long exposure. I always wanted to have a picture of like girl carrying water because like a common uh, common theme from like uh, 19th century 
or early 20th century Indonesia when like women there will be women work to like carry water it's like common common shot you can see like women with the, with the water vessels so I was trying to shoot this and finally I get it with Lola I love this picture some I of my favorite from recent time and it's very hard it was already dark it was afternoon it was like seven eight seconds but she's she held it still like very well it's very sharp and it's not easy because she has to balance the the vessel it's heavy you know it wasn't full of water, but it's still kind of heavy and it's hard not to, not to move, you know. For, um, so, for people watching, we're going to put these on the screen. For people listening, we'll, we'll, we'll put yeah, the, yeah. the link to your site. So it's you only part of the story it. if you only listen. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's something about portraits that, me being a portrait photographer, I'm biased, but, you know, look at these, obviously they're incredible photos. Something about human faces that just give so much depth and spark. Yeah, they're posing. Yeah, it's staged, but, that for me just even adds more because you, you're focusing so much on their face and you know what is behind those eyes right what is what is behind what is going on in their head add in the add in the 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 cultural kind of nuances with their their clothes and stuff like that it just adds for such a and then you add in the 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 aesthetics of your processing it's just fantastic absolutely love it yeah i, I trying to style it with a with the theme of the ethnic uh, culture, you know, like this is Java, this is Javanese model with the Javanese carved window, you know, this is the uh, Ariel, she's like a famous actress. So she has the Javanese background. So we decided to shoot like Javanese style. Yeah, you know, again, like the, the Javanese uh, chair, uh, Javanese uh, dress. Uh, so yeah, to keep it in that, uh, in that uh, style, because, uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, is uh, follow the the 19th century look, yeah. Okay. Uh, because this is 19th century technique, and this technique has not been done much in Indonesia. Because uh, as I told you, I come from 1850s. Yeah. But it, it was only practiced for a short period of time, maybe like 20 years, before they come up with new technique and uh, easier techniques you know and the techniques where you don't need to develop the picture straight away that's the, that's the hardest thing about wet play basically you need to shoot with your dark room you you cannot just go in the field and shoot and develop it next week or next month you need to have a dark room where you shoot which is very impractical you know so well yeah i was going to ask you about when you go on location if you're if you're going, obviously not everyone's coming to you all the time. Yeah, so How, far, yeah. Tell us about... <laughs> I don't shoot on locations. Oh, you do not? Yeah, I mean, I when played you, you yeah. uh, I just shoot at my studio pretty much all the okay. time. Uh, to shoot on location is a whole another story, a whole another headache and expand. And uh, that's a, something I am trying to do. And it's my goal for the future to, to be traveling with this technique. But uh, I only did it like twice. And it's... You bringing like you bring your dark room to the field, so you bring a lot of things. You bring chemicals, you bring uh, a lot of equipment. You bring these big cameras, and yeah, I bring like a tent. Uh, usually, people use the depends what how big is your large format. But I do like six by eight. Yep. Which is uh, I uh, I do like a big tent, like it's it's like a fishing tent, which is very dark inside. But it's so much more difficult than shooting in my studio because everything changes. You know, in my studio, I kind of have my routine and everything is kind of <laughs> set up already. When I shoot away, it's hard. It's, usually the temperatures are different, you know. 
I stay in my dark room. I have aircon yeah, and yeah, I have exactly. exhaust yep. and this. And then the tent, you just it just gets so hot and humid. Yep. And uh, the chemical smell is super strong. Even I lose you know, like uh, what do you call it, like a mask. A mask, and you're sweating. And you're sweating, yeah. And the, everything is so fast. You know, the the hotter the the temperature, the faster every reaction is. So you used to certain routine, and then this changes, and it's just so hard. And uh, yeah, and it's ne- it's like small there. So that's my like kind of next goal is uh, is to is to upgrade my technique to that and start traveling with it but i haven't done it much and uh and that's uh yeah that's the complexity of bed play that's why it's so hard and it's why it's so uh, complicated and that's why nobody really shoots yeah. in it unless you're crazy you know <laughs> yeah but that that's even you know i i shoot medium format but digital my hasselblad medium format and it's for me like it's so much more of a um, of a mindful experience, and a, you know you have to so much thought goes into it because it's a it's not a it's not a um, you know a digital camera like we know these days with all the functions and automatic this and that. You have to just think about it more. But that's you know compared to <laughs> compared to this, it's fucking easy, right? It's, yeah, yeah, and I think it's I, like as complicated as wet plate it's really crazy but and you know you that adds uniqueness and i think that's so important as an artist um to have some level of uniqueness um to be truly original is i think very difficult but to at least be unique in in your genre and this is if you took this started being able to take it on location that would just add a completely different level to your uniqueness as a photographer for yeah sure, yeah for that's sure. definitely my my next goal because uh, I've done a lot of like portraits in the studio. I want to do I want to do some landscape because you, it's a good technique for landscapes also. I want to shoot. One of my next dreams is to go to Java and shoot the old uh, old temples, old mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Hindu Java Hindu temples, mm-hmm. and I just go all around Indonesia. Yeah, you know, for the next twenty years of my life, I'll be like. Gonna go to Sumba, you know, shoot the people there, the shamans no. there, the, the women and everybody. Go to Papua, go to Dayaks, do, go to Bataks. Go, yeah, should basically create a body of work of Indonesian ethnic groups in their traditional costumes, shot on wet plate because it's something that hasn't been done yet. Yep, it's. Uh, I don't think many actually, because <clears throat> my dream is something very similar, but not not on wet plate. Um, more about the you know the people and the those ethnic groups and their specific practices that what they do as a you know their ancient practices uh, as a culture but um i don't see many bodies of work doing that you see other countries especially african countries people going to like ethiopia hmm. um rwanda or wherever these places and they um and, and they do these beautiful books and beautiful bodies of work and they're amazing but i don't see many of indonesia I see a lot of travel photographers doing landscape stuff. See that all the time, but in terms of the people and the diversity of the the cultures and the ethnic groups here, I I haven't come across many. There's been some documentaries, and obviously people have shot a lot here. But um, for me as well, I'd love to just do the whole of this country somehow before I die, and just um, photograph as much of it before, like we're talking off air, before it really just gets modernized. And a lot of these, yeah, you, you know, it. It's losing the culture is yep. uh, disappearing very yep. quickly. Like, yeah, I know. That's so why I'm worried. Like, come on, I need, to, I need to, I need to yeah. get going. I need to, I need to see all these people. When and you like, I love Sumba, for example, and um, I was there first time twenty years ago. It was just one flight a week, you know, to go to Sumba. It was very far, even though it's just one flight from Bali, right? Mm-hmm. 
and I went to shoot Pasola there on digital, uh, you know, the Pasola festival. Yep. And there was, there was just me and National Geographic there. I was like almost no tourists and compared with Sumba now, you know, like the young culture, uh, young generation, they just, they losing so much culture in just one generation. It's, it keeps disappearing and the languages keep disappearing and traditions, which is, yeah, uh, I mean, the people's life is getting better yep. in a way, but the loss of culture and traditions is also like, it's a significant loss, yeah, for 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 humanity, I guess. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, on one hand, it's good for the people that their, their, their standard, of li- standard of living is increasing, you know, generic, g- generally speaking. But for us and for, for just um, depth of humanity, right, we want to be able to have these cultures still around and celebrate them and experience them and yeah. that's what travel is really all about right traveling and experiencing different cultures and if they all get eroded and they all end up you know tiktok generation then i don't know what is left for society how how do you with your kind of 1850s methodology with photography and you know wanting to preserve that way of photographing do you try and translate that into the modern world in terms of you know i know you're obviously active on social media and you're trying to you know, certainly do BTS and maybe educate a little, a little bit more about this process. Do you, is that a big part of your, um, thought process and goals for the future is to kind of expose this to more people? Yeah. I want to do the body of work. That's why like my main goal is, it's like my, my, I find my purpose kind of life purpose in this technique and in, in, in having the chance to do something that hasn't been done before, which is kind of, it's very rare and it's very hard to find. Uh, and I feel very lucky actually to, to have found this, you know, but, um, yeah. So what I want to do is, yeah, try to shoot as many ethnic groups and cultures of Indonesia on this medium over the years. And that's going to be, you know, every trip out of my studio is, is a big trip. It's expensive trip. It's like, uh, just imagine bringing like two or 300 kilo of equipment and chemicals to like Sumba and be there probably like a month and try to get like 10, 20 good plates, you know, that's like, it'll be like old school expeditions, you know, and the old school photographers in 19th century go with the, in the wild west, in the wagon and just go from city to city and try to sell some, some images to people. So, uh, that's what I want to do. And uh, what did you ask? Uh, what I want to, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what I'm doing with it. I'm just kind of, I'm doing prints. I'm starting to work with galleries. I, I, cool. I sell prints in the galleries. I do sell the originals also, the tin types, uh, sometimes not too many, uh, but I'm trying to make, uh, make it, uh, profitable to get the money going so I can just keep, keep doing that. So I'm selling the original tin types also sometimes, uh, but they are quite expensive and. Uh, I feel, I feel sad sometimes to let yeah, them go because right, the they're original. so special. Yeah, there's not many photographers in the world that do wet plate, uh, and most of them, not everybody selling actually the originals, the tin types also. Because yeah, it's very it's the it's, it's like the one asset, piece, right? it's the you baby, could, you know. You could keep that for twenty years <laughs> yeah, and imagine yeah. the value of it. And that's another thing about it: the wet plate, uh, wet plate image or the tin type. It's the most durable form of image that we have until now. Really? There is no, uh, no, nothing more durable than that, a physical image, because wow. it's an image that is made of 
uh, it's on metal, yeah, metal or glass, which is very durable materials, and it's made of silver. So these are very durable uh, materials. If you compare it with the prints, right, on a paper, you know, with ink or something like uh, your prints will fade in 10, 20 years. They will, unless you keep them in some super good archive yep. with no humidity, maybe 100 years. But but the original tintypes or the glass negatives, they they should last hundreds and thousands of years. So uh, like when you look at the old, old uh, pictures from 19th century, uh, they look the same now as they look before. And they will probably keep looking that way for many hundreds of years. Like famous tintype is the portrait of uh, Abraham Lincoln, for example, from US. Okay. Or there's few like famous uh, tintypes that has been done. And you can still look them up in some archives or, or museums. And and uh, what is interesting that uh, until now, like governments, uh, they're using this technique to, to archive like very important documents on this medium because it's very, very durable uh, form of image, you know, comparing to yeah, any prints or, or anything. So that's another level of that that is interesting. Mm. Yeah, but I'm trying to do to do prints also because like, yeah, I have the direct positive from the camera, right? But it's a small, it's a small image. It's, it's as big as my camera because you do it on the back of your camera. So as big as your camera, that's the size of your, of your tintype. So, which is kind of small to put on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I also do prints and I like to do different kind of prints like on, on, like uh, handmade papers, I, I use a banana paper. Cool. I have some new papers now I'm trying now and do like the the classic printing techniques, not just like digital prints, but I've just recently been doing like gum oil prints and cyanotype prints and maybe silk screen and just different types of uh, just uh, contact printing, which is again handmade, you know, because my images are handmade. So I just want to, when I make a print, I also want to make it like the old school, like a uh, craft kind of uh, uh, work of art. Yeah, not just a digital print. Yeah. So how do, how do you get it from tintype to digital print? Is it just as simple as scanning? I just scan it, yeah. I yeah. scan it with a digital camera. Okay. I have like a setup for that that I do. Because it's very reflective. I, I should bring you the tintype, but I didn't think about it actually, sorry. Because the tintype is, uh, it's very reflective. When you look at it, it's on black uh, aluminum and the image is made of silver. But it depends on how the light reflecting on it. Uh, you see it a little bit differently. So it's very reflective. So I have like a setup that I do not to to get the, the best out of the image. So I scan it with a digital camera and then, yeah, I pick digital file which I can print easily. Or for the contact printing techniques, you can now do uh, digital negative. So you just print it on a transparent sheet. Uh, you flip it in Photoshop to a negative image and you print it on transparent sheets. So you get coded digital negative. So it's you can it. make any size. You can make big ones. So you can make big contact prints from that. Got it. So that's why I can shoot the tintypes. I can shoot the positives because before people were focusing on getting negatives and making prints of that. But now you can get negative the other way. So how do you fund this? I mean... You still do commercial photography work, right? Is that something that's... I don't do it as much anymore. I try to... I used to do yeah, commercial digital for a long time. 
I used to do a lot of fashion and resorts in Bali, lifestyle. Uh, I never really liked it so much, you know. <laughs> like, I always like to do my own project, my own uh, concepts and um, art direction and everything. But so I do it less and less. And uh, just, I don't know, I just try to, when I have money, I spend it on this, <laughs> on this you know. And then sometimes I, I start selling prints. Sometimes I make money from selling prints yeah. and just try to uh, make the ends meet and uh, yeah. and keep going with that. And it's kind of slowly getting bigger and bigger, but basically I'm still at the beginning. You know? Like for six, the last six, seven years, I've been just learning the technique actually. Just like last year, I would say I learned this technique to be confident, uh, to be able to produce the, the good quality of image, uh, uh, like steadily, you know, to to be able to keep doing it and uh, in a good level of quality, the image, and that took me a long time because of the difficulty. Because this this technique in do it in Europe is hard, but it's still it's you can learn it over a weekend. You know the technique if you have the chemicals and everything, you can do a workshop and you you will you will learn it over a weekend, like the technical things. But to do it in tropics, it's just a whole different level. It's the, the humidity and the, the temperatures here just make it impossible. And I, you, I had to come up with like uh, with new like chemical formulas and, and change the, the, the process of, of the whole reactions to, to make it work here. <laughs> that's what took me so, so, so long. And, and that's why nobody do it here because it was like considered like pretty much impossible or very, very hard. And you cannot get the chemicals. So it's just constant. You just constantly have some <laughs> headache, you know, with this, you know, and then you shoot for a while and then your chemicals are finished and then you try to get more chemicals and you cannot find them and you cannot ship them because they are dangerous. So nobody will ship them to you from abroad. And if somebody will, will ship them, they are fucking expensive, you know, because <laughs> it's just important. You have to pay tax yeah. in Bali, which is huge. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just a Sounds bit crazy. A so I, I kind of managed to kind of get where I am because I just kind of fell in love with it and, yeah. and just uh, really keep pushing. Well, it must be very rewarding to go through all of that, not to mention that what you have to do with on, loca or not on location, but with the subject or the processing, the whole you know production value, just the whole thing to get one shot. It must be very rewarding when you get you know amazing shots like this and you see it on the tintype, it must be... Yeah, extremely yeah satisfying. I love it. it yeah. uh, it's especially the moment in the dark room when you're developing it and yeah. you see the image come alive. You know, literally like, coming, appearing like, in front wow, of you. Wow! And then yeah. you put in a fixer, and uh, and then you see, is it good? Is it good? Is it not? Did she move? Did she blink? Is is it sharp or not? You know, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like it's different than working with digital medium when you kind of looking at it on the phone screen or or laptop, right? Uh, it's different feeling and. And there's, yeah, it's just so much energy goes into just one frame, you yeah. know, and time and money and everything. Uh, I love that. Well, I, I I have to come and get my photo done by you. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you would look great, man. Yeah, well, I'll obviously pay for it, but yeah. yeah I'd were, love to come and see the whole process and maybe we'll, you know, we'll bring, um, we'll bring a camera with us to just, you know, maybe if, with your permission, get some BTS, kind of show how you do it. Um, I know you've already got videos out there as well, but I'd, I'd, no, love, I'd love, love to, to document do that. it. Yeah. It'd be super cool because it's just so unique. Yeah, it's very unique and it's so much happening behind the scene. And yeah. I, that's the, one of the reasons I like to do videos 
to show people what is behind that, what is, because people, if they only see the the scan on Instagram or yeah. somewhere, the, the, they think, oh, that's nice editing or it's yeah. like, they have no idea. Like even photographers, they don't know uh, what is wet played, what is the technique. You could, with the amount of overlays and filters out there these days, yeah, you yeah. could do it digital. I mean, it's so, not, it wouldn't be the same, but you would, you, if you saw that on Instagram, you didn't know who you were, what the process is, you would think, oh, that's if they put a filter on it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, does, does that worry you with, with today's digital world, with social media everywhere and f- photography just becoming saturated and almost homogenized with the same thing over and over with digital photography? Um, you know, do you, do you worry about kind of where photography is going essentially in the world? Yeah. The, the, the development is like, it's, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting when you think of the history, because actually photography is not, it's not that old. Yeah. It's like 170 years to create image with light was like magic. It was like, you know, like, wow, that was amazing. And, because until then they only had paintings, you know, if mm-hmm. you want to get the image of the reality, you have to paint it, you have to engrave it or, you know, record it like that. And then there came photography, create image with light. It was like, wow, there was a, there was magic. And now we take it as something totally normal. Like every, everybody's photographer now. Yeah. 150 years ago, the photo, the early photographers were, they were scientists, like chemists, scientists, yep. you know, they were not really, they were not nothing like a photographer. Right. Yeah. And they were like inventors, yeah. And now every we are all photographers. Everybody has a phone and everybody can record uh, image with the light, yeah. So it's something very common now. And it's where it's going, yeah. Uh, the AI and everything, I'm not like too much in touch with that, but uh, it makes me even more happy that I have this technique and doing something different different than electronic image because uh i think the yeah just with the development of digital photography the value of the craft came down so much right mm-hmm. the accessibility of the technique of the profession and the value of that uh is decreasing right with the with how easy it is you know if, if you shoot on digital you don't care but the image will be there you know yep you like me, I'm I'm worried. Like every every image, will it be there? Like yeah. will it be okay? Will it actually appear or not? With digital, you don't think about that. It's so the accessibility of the craft is much easier, and with AI, will be even more. You know, I think I think the photography profession will will slowly yeah lose the uh, need. You know, yep. A lot of clients will just type, uh, "Hey, I want a girl with a sunset with a cocktail," and and especially, the AI will do it, yeah. Yeah, especially those lifestyle kind of photography mm. um, uh, genres. Yeah, I think I don't you know, know the no. way you, you describe this process. I think of NFTs being kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, but but linked because NFTs you kind of got this um, what's well, non fungible, right? This is non fungible. You you can't copy that, right? Unless you scan it, and it's still not the original. You have one original, it's one of one. That's it. Yeah, right? yeah, that's the great thing about the tin type. Yeah. So I think that's, that's. But what is NFT actually? I don't really know because everybody tells something different. Is it like w- one unique digital file? Correct. Or? Yeah. One unique digital file. If you sell it, you don't own that anymore. So you sell it. I sell you an NFT. You have that one and only digital file of that image. So it's. But at the same time, like, 
Because sometimes people say, hey, you should do NFTs, but I don't really understand this. <laughs> but you can do like one or you can do like 10,000 as well or not. Or Yeah, you can do you, you can do multiple ones, but each one has its own specific. Um, oh, okay. So it's know, up to you. Traceable identity, right? So it's not re replicable. You can't replicate that one that you've bought. So, you know, it's very, and if people are telling you to do NFTs, I agree with them because this is, this is essentially a physical form of NFTs. You know, it's one of one. It's, it is yeah. unique. It's like um, it's like painting. You can't swap yeah. the, another one for the same one. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. How, how do if people want to get into this? How do they? Where would they learn? Is it just a YouTube thing? Do you offer education like workshops or anything? How how can people learn if they go? Oh, yeah, I'd love to try this. Where do, where do they the start? The best to learn red plate is uh, I would say uh, Europe, US, uh, Australia. There's photographers who do red plate. It's mostly like hobby photographers, not everybody doing it uh, like professionally. There's mm -hmm. not so many, but there are like some really great, like usually mostly portrait photographers or some landscape people uh, who like specialize in that. But uh, yeah, you should do a workshop. Uh, it's best to do a workshop with someone experienced in that and to learn to learn the techniques. It's a lot of physical things, you know, uh, hand movements and how you work with the chemicals. Another thing, Separate thing is the mixing of the chemicals, which is like a separate right. uh, job, basically. Uh, I don't really, I don't do workshop. I don't teach workshop. Uh, sometimes people asking me, but I don't, I don't want to do it at this moment, or I don't even have enough chemicals for myself, you know. <laughs> and so I'm not at that stage to to do that. Uh, I have some talking with like uh, universities in Indonesia who are asking me also about this technique because they. They uh, they know about it, but it's not common, and it's uh, it's very rare in Indonesia to do this because it's very hard, and it's hard to source the chemicals. So uh, maybe I will do some workshops uh, with the uh, some art universities. Uh, That'd be cool in the future. But uh, yeah, I basically I don't offer it now. Like, I just, I'm still learning myself. Yeah, you, you know? just want to get your own shit. Uh, and when I have chemicals, I want to get do my art and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, you can learn it in 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 Europe. This technique works the best in the four season climate. You know, in like the European summer, twenty five degrees, it's good. Twenty to twenty five, but when it's get over twenty five, so why doesn't why why doesn't it work the same if you're in a climate controlled room in Bali? You know, if it's climate controlled, humidity and temperature is controlled. Why? I think it technically should, but I shoot outside with the sun. So I spend oh, okay. a lot of the time uh, outside as well. And then it's also the humidity. It's not just the temperature where you can use aircon. Okay. But it's mostly uh, because you use a lot of uh, uh, alcohol and ether in the solutions. So just evaporates. evaporating very quickly. Yeah. Okay. And then everything changes. So actually the problem is that the the plate in the you know when you take the shot it's not always just the the development yeah, of it, it. It's, it's like that time between getting it, yeah, the shot and getting it's when it it's the drying the and it. but it's all the other things as well <laughs> sometimes you don't know i don't know because i'm like i learned it in europe yeah i got good pictures actually this this image i did in europe on the, my first workshop and I had a I Balinese girl in Prague and I had a Balinese costume there from my friend. Oh, right, okay. So I shoot this in Prague, actually. And so I was like, oh, yeah, cool, I, I can do it. And then I I buy the camera, buy, uh, managed to get chemicals in Indonesia and I tried to do it here and it didn't work. There was no image, nothing appears, you know, or sometimes it would appear and just slowly disappear. I was like, what's going on, what's going on? Nobody knows. 
I have nobody to ask here, nobody doing it. I would be writing to guys in Europe, but they also don't really know because they, uh, everybody knows that in hot climate, this works hard. When it's hot summer in Europe, it's also for them, it's very hard. So even in uh, 19th century, when uh, the beginning of photography, when photography started appearing, the Dutch government uh, was interested in photography. I was sending like early photographers to Indonesia to document uh, their colony at that time, right? Indonesia, the Dutch East Indies. Yep. So they were sending some photographers. The first of them, they failed. They they were they would be doing it in Europe, but they would come here and they 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 couldn't get uh, images here because of the climate. So right. these chemical processes in in tropical climate just somehow uh, much much harder. Yeah, <laughs> it must make it even more rewarding. Like I'm I'm really happy for you, man. That they're, they're, they're fucking cool photos. Yeah. I I love hearing about the process. I really now want to come and see it. Um, yeah. So maybe we can arrange something um, for for me to come over and and watch you do it. Um, definitely as we kind of near the end of the conversation a uh, couple more questions one is from you know as, as I mentioned to you before we have a tradition here a bit like another podcast I follow but the the guest I have writes a question for the, the next guest without knowing who they are I have a question here from our previous guest Stephen okay. Buckus, Um and he asks what does the word time mean to you? I don't know the time well when I think of it in this in this uh, just right now uh, I think about uh, exposure time <laughs> <laughs> just exposure uh, yeah because the um, that's uh, in wet plate photography you think a lot about time because it's has it's uh, you have the uh, 20 minutes uh, it's the uh, roughly the time when you for one click one exposure to create one plate okay so 20 minutes is the process for one photo uh, basically from... yeah like from the setting up the model yeah. the, from pouring the plate uh, from sensitizing it you timing all the reactions there so you put the plate in one, in some time then it's like have to be half dry uh, you you have to watch it you know it's uh, it's very life it's it's time and with every morning is different than afternoon so you're watching the reaction on the plate and then you put in a silver and then you're creating another reaction and you're timing it every second uh, is important yeah because uh, the if if you if you sensitize it too long it's oversensitized it, it's not gonna work if you undersensitize it's not gonna work then you take it out uh you have to run to the camera to have the model already there then you can't uh, you look at the sky you can't the uh, exposure time in seconds yeah basically and then again the development is like you, when I, I put the developer I, I slowly count in my in my head like one two I want to know how fast it's appearing and you see first you come the the highlights come first the highlights coming first and it's okay I see her highlight on her cheek or the nose or something and then you start to see the uh, the the mid-tones coming up and then when the the shadows when the shadows start appearing, it's kind of time to to stop the development, to stop the reaction with the water, because the even then it's like few more seconds. It's kind of reacting, it's still so, going, yeah. So you need to time it rightly, and then fixing is kind of easy already. You just don't overfix it to to bleach it, kind of the image. But but there's a uh, it's a lot about time. This a lot about time. It's, quite, it's a really good question, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's thanks. kind of quite a pertinent uh, Steven, question yeah, for you. Yeah, Steven. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, final question we we take a lucky dip out of these cards and then I'll if you just hand it to me choose anyone alright hand it to me and I'll ask you the question 
Okay. Question is, what is your definition of luck? My definition of luck. Uh, I don't know if it's definition, but uh, but I I when I think of this and and uh, my life and everything, like I find myself lucky to have found uh, the purpose of my life. You know, mm. like with this technique, yeah. like uh, it's really because I've been doing a lot of lot of different things over the years, uh, and I was never really so focused on one thing. Even now, I like do. I do some other businesses, you know. Uh, I do, I, 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 I do the project in Aceh. Like we have a surf camp in the jungle, oh, or cool. I do like uh, I build a, I build villas sometimes. I do like uh, interior design, architecture, like creative, oh, okay. like kind of cool. And I did, uh, I did travel guiding. I did uh, uh, a lot modeling. of different, yeah, and modeling, presenting, uh, some acting, you know, in soap operas, whatever. But uh, like without the right uh, like uh, detailed purpose of your life, you're just kind of floating around, yeah. And then, uh, so I feel very lucky to be able to find something that give me so much meaning, and and uh, to be so sure about what I want to do for the next many years of my life. And I think it's uh, not everybody's so lucky actually ever to find that, and so. It gave me like kind of anchor on my life and just kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a very good thing to have. Yeah. Do you have something like that? Yeah. I Do mean, you? um, yeah, photography is definitely my purpose. I mean, there's nuances, uh, within that in terms of kind of what I want to do with photography, but yeah, I mean, without, without photography in my life, I would be lost for sure. Um, and I went through those, those years where kind of, what am I doing? What's, what's you know, what's my meaning? What am I trying to do? How am I helping people? How am I helping society? You know, kind of going through that process of finding a purpose. Yeah. Photography came along and that was just it, you know. Um, I love doing this, actually. I love I love podcasting. It's becoming much more a part of my purpose. It's not about the podcast. It's more, and we were talking about this before, just sitting across from another person, artist, whatever you want to label them. I just conversing right and talking and in today's world i think that i say this all the time people around me get bored of hearing but the the art of conversation just being able to have those social skills and talk about something that maybe you not know about and listening properly and just being able to have a decent conversation for 10 minutes let alone two hours or something is so lost especially with i guess the younger generation or the more digitized generation because they're all just stuck on their phone right and we all do that to some respect, but this is this is certainly grown within my photography world as as a bigger bigger purpose for sure. So I think I think the world needs it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thanks it. for thanks for having me and like be able to like talk about this. I love it because I love what I do. I, but I don't actually get to talk about it, it too much. <laughs> I love what you do, and and um, you know, speaking of luck, I'm extremely lucky to to have you here and, and be on the show. I hope everyone's learned something and. Being exposed, I mean, I I knew of wet plate photography. I just didn't know about it, if if you know what I mean. So I've learned a hell of a lot. Um, so thanks for educating me, educating us, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And look forward to coming to your studio to actually see it. Yeah, yeah, see let's do practice. a portrait, and you'll. It's so interesting the 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 behind the scene of that, and <laughs> see everything with your eyes. You will see how yeah. the image is made. It, yeah. It's very interesting. Well, until then, thanks so much. 
Thank you, man.